5: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to The Charlie McCarthy Show, starring Edgar Bergen with special guests Walt Disney and Donald Duck from 1947. Then it's a tale, well, calculated to keep you in suspense, starring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. from 1948. And by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Are you ready for the conclusion to Charlie McCarthy? I sure am by your side, ready for the conclusion. All right, let's go back to a broadcast date of September 21st, 1947. Special guests are Walt Disney and Donald Duck. Here's the conclusion to The Charlie McCarthy Show.
4: I suppose it was the big giant that frightened you. you no, know, no, oh, it was another fellow there with the pigeon-toed eyes. Pigeon toed eyes? Yeah. Looked like his face was button wrong. Button wrong. <laughs> well now, who in the world could that have been? Let's see. Scary person. Yeah, yeah, scary looking person. Well, describe him. Well, some of his teeth stuck out so far it looked like he swallowed a rake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blonde hair? Yeah. Cross-eyed? Yeah. And the had buck teeth? Yeah. That's I'm beginning to see the light. Yep. Yeah. Well, good morning.
6: Yeah.
4: <laughs> 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 I'm sure you know the person's name. No. Well, now think. No, no, I well. well, it was Mortimer Snurd. Well, give me a better hint than that.
6: <laughs> <know>.
4: <laughs> Mortimer, you were in the picture. Well, I'm flabbergasted. Yeah. I hope seeing yourself in the picture isn't a disappointment. Well, I I knowed I was homely, but I didn't know I was so good at it. Well, don't let it upset you. Well, I can't help it. It seeing me on the screen like that sort of sort of destroyed something fine in me. I see. (laughs) What? My appetite. Oh, I see. Not only that, they, they photographed my bad side. Your bad side? Yes. Which one is that? side side my face is on. nice.
6: <laughs>
4: well, surely, Mortimer, you knew you were in the picture. What did you think we were doing at the studio every day under those lights? No. Charlie said we was getting a sun Yeah. <laughs> Charlie was ribbing you. Why, if Charlie told you black was white, I bet you'd believe it. Oh, uh, see, uh... Like a white? Right. Like a white, yeah. Well, ain't it? No, no. no. Ah, <laughs> uh, you certainly have more than your share of stupidity. Well, well, it's the old story. Them who has, gets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mortimer, there's only one Mortimer Snurr. My friends, uh,
7: my friends, my friends. I have come before you. You have? um, Well, I haven't exactly come before you either, because uh, you were here when I arrived.
4: Yeah. (laughs) But would you mind telling us who are you?
7: Well, I, um, I am from the state of uh, Iowa. From Iowa? Well, out here, who isn't? Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, but I am from uh, Pinpoint, Iowa. Pinpoint? Yeah, well, really, uh, East Pinpoint. Uh, oh, gee, yeah. yes. Yeah. A suburb. Yeah. And uh, I understand that you had a showing of the new uh, Walt Disney picture, and right. it's about Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes, yeah,
4: yes. Yeah. Yes, we
7: did. Uh, what about it? Uh, well, why, why didn't you invite me? <laughs> And we were afraid you'd accept. <laughs> well, what I want to know, Smarty, uh, well, I-, I want you to know that, that I am just plenty hot under the collar. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, because you ain't so hot above it. <laughs> uh, 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 young man, uh, I'll have you know that I am an uh, exhibitor. Exhibitor? That's right. Uh-huh. Oh. And I, I represent a chain of, of two theaters.
4: Well, well. <laughs> well, we must be nice to an exhibitor, Johnny.
7: And I have my finger on the pulse of the people, too. <laughs> now, fresh thing. Uh-huh, right. And why, just last week, they were complaining. Yeah, no quality in the picture? No, no butter on the popcorn. Oh. No
4: <laughs> you don't mean that your popcorn is more important than the
7: picture? Oh, I don't. Well, I mean, do you? Well, for goodness <laughs> sakes, my gosh, I do. You do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, last week, we had a 2,000-bag picture. Really? <laughs> I took my wife uh, to see it, and we ate popcorn all through the best years of our lives.
6: <laughs> and
7: now you can spend your remaining years drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I want to see uh, is if this uh, Disney picture has uh, popcorn appeal. Popcorn appeal? Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be glad to tell you about it. Oh,
7: you will? Oh, yes. I'll sit over here. <laughs> uh,
4: now, um... The story opens in a beautiful little place called Happy Valley, where everybody was happy. They were always laughing and laughing. <laughs> <Always> laughing. <laughs> Pardon me, sir, but why are you crying in Happy Valley? I just moved here from Pasadena. Oh,
6: I... <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, nearly everybody was happy in the valley because of a beautiful golden harp that sang and played. Oh, honky. Yes, but one day, one day tragedy struck. From out of nowhere, a fearsome giant swooped down on me. The... and carried the singing harp away.
7: Oh no, no! Help! Get the FBI! Get Dick Tracy! Can do something!
8: Calling all cars, be on the lookout for a giant wanted for kidnapping a harp girl with red hair and... <laughs> that is all!
4: <laughs> <laughs> the singing harp was gone, and Happy Valley was no longer happy. Poverty and desolation came to everyone.
7: They had just paid their taxes. <laughs>
4: the poor people, the poor people were starving, starving, starving... starving. just tell it. Don't ham it, all right.
7: Uh Oh, friends, uh, this is going to be uh, just peachy for popcorn sale. Oh,
4: yes, thank you very much. Uh, And now comes the most tragic and dismal part of the story. I thought we just had it. No, no, no. Yes, we
7: did. I've been just sitting there uh, whimpering and sniveling until my eyes are like little tiny red beads. Yes. yes.
4: (laughs) Well, there were three poor farmers who were desolate, all that stood between them and starvation... Was their cow.
7: Won't take long to eat through her. (laughs) Oh, now, now, just a moment. I hope you're not going to kill that poor, poor cow. No, no, they won't kill it. They're just going to take it to a used cow lot. (laughs) Operated by Madman Moose. (laughs) Yeah. That's true.
4: But the used cow man was out of town, so they talked to his wife, Emma, about a fair deal.
7: Well, what shape was she in? Well, she was the type who should never wear slacks No, no Or do you mean the cow?
4: <laughs> All right. Oh, it was a sad moment Her big brown eyes flooded with tears As she stood there chewing and drooling
7: uh, Who, Emma or the cow?
4: Both of them All right <laughs> So when the woman said to the cow She said are you a good milker? And the cow said,
6: Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
4: and would you favor us with a quart of milk? No. <laughs> and why not? I'm not
6: in the mood. <laughs> uh,
7: a, t- a talking, a talking cow? Yes. Why that's utter nonsense. Yes. Uh. So
4: they traded the cow for three magic beans and planted the beans in the ground. My word, of all places. Yes. And the magic beans started to grow up, up,
7: up, and up. Everybody fasten your safety belts,
4: please. <laughs>
7: and then one by one, they started to climb up the beanstalk. Oh, oh, boy, what a climb of that beanstalk. I'm, I'm all out of breath. Me, too. My cow! <laughs> My word, look at that magnificent castle.
3: Let's go in.
4: Yeah, let's go in. Oh, it's
7: kind of spooky. Listen, that sounds like the stolen harp, girl. Oh, Donald and Charlie, my heroes. You've come to rescue me. Yes, we have. Oh, poor Miss Harp. Let me take you in my (laughs) arms. Oh, you tickle. I'll hold you a little closer. Oh, guess I held you too close.
6: Three,
9: five,
7: four, five. Oh, what's that?
9: What's that? That's the horrible giant.
7: You're not afraid, are you? No, I always have lavender skin. <laughs>
3: of an Englishman. Oh, but really now, please don't I? <laughs>
10: <laughs> I'm part Scotch anyway. I'm so anemic, you yeah. see. Ho,
4: ho, ho. Fee, fi, fo, fo. Fo, fo? What happened to fun? <laughs> He's with Abner. Oh. I'm glad you came. You're just in time for dinner.
7: Oh, thank you.
4: In fact, you'll be my dinner.
7: Oh, no, no, not that. Oh, sir, have mercy. Why do you want to eat a scrawny little boy like me?
4: I'm on the Clark Gable diet.
7: Well, if you let me go, I'll give you this little duck for a pet.
4: Oh,
6: I like little <laughs> bitty ducks. Oh.
4: And I have a nice warm place for him to stay.
0: Oh. In my oven. <laughs> Don't you know no one's allowed up here on this beanstalk? What are you doing here?
7: Well, we, we just came to borrow a saw and an axe to chop down a beanstalk to get rid of a big nuisance.
4: Oh, well, me. in that case, I'll help you. Yeah. Here is the saw, Thank you. and here is the... Yeah. What beanstalk? <laughs> Come here, Come you. Come here. Free, Donald.
7: Come on down to beanstalk. <laughs> oh, my pet. Sawing! Start sawing!
4: Uh, uh, uh. Kinder! Well, chunky little rascal, wasn't he? What a story, huh? And what a picture. Uh, yes, but it,
7: will it sell popcorn? Oh.
8: <laughs> Charlie and Edgar will be back in just a moment. But first, you know, some days turn out better than others. But here's a way you can raise the average. Take a tip from the people who like coffee best. Get Chase and Sanborn Coffee. The more important your coffee is to you, with meals and between... The better you like Chase and Sanborn now, because finer coffees are back. Yes, Chase and Sanborn is richer today, more flavorful, more delicious. Taste its bonus of shade-grown goodness, protected by the vacuum pack. You get finer flavor and more of it, because the whole world's finer coffees are once more available for us to choose from. And preference goes to shade-grown coffees with their lavish abundance of extra flavor. Under an awning of taller trees, these coffees grow more slowly. Each day they store up more pleasure for you, and you get it in Chase and Sanborn in the vacuum pack. Only the vacuum pack can give you so much freshly roasted flavor because no other container keeps coffee fresh. So don't miss out. This week, remember, now is the time to ask your grocer for Chase and Sanborn coffee. This week, when you're buying groceries, ask for Taste and Sanborn coffee and royal puddings. This is Ken Carpenter speaking to you from the Pasadena Playhouse, Pasadena, California.
5: That's the Charlie McCarthy Show from a broadcast date of September 21st, 1947. Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snerd, the whole cast, guests Walt Disney and Donald Duck. Hope you enjoyed that as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More
0: Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
5: Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. To my right, Lisa Wolf. To my left, Mike Estella. And it's time now for a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. was before the CBS microphones on July 22, 1948. To star in Deep Into Darkness. Let's tune in part one now of Suspense.
2: And its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you Radio's outstanding theater of thrills Starring tonight, Mr. Douglas Fairbanks In a tale well calculated
8: to keep you in suspense. Today, everybody's switching to Autolite And tonight, Autolite takes pleasure in presenting Anton
2: Leder's production of Deep into Darkness Starring Douglas Fairbanks
10: This is a story about fear. And I'm an expert on fear. Me, Ken Matthews. That cheap, broken-down hotel room is as good a place as any to start. It was all I could afford. New York, the city of bright lights, and and me stretched out on a squeaky bed, watching a spot change shape on the ceiling. It's a kind of game to keep a man from going crazy. For seven years, I watched another spot, changed it into a million shapes, got to know it better than I knew myself, that spot on the ceiling of my cell at Joliet Penitentiary. When it was over, when they were finally ready to let me go back into the world, the warden had something to say to me, some some advice.
2: Matthews, you're leaving us early because of your good behavior record. Now, if I were you, I'd start fresh on the outside. Stay away from Chicago. Go someplace new where they don't know you.
10: I sort of figured on doing that, Warden. Good. You'll find it easier. I'd find it easier. I wonder how it is when it's tough. Nobody knew me in New York. Nobody wanted to know me. And as for a job, well, did you ever wash dishes? (laughs) I washed a million. No any dirty jobs nobody wants to do. I did them all. That's how I built up my fortune. $17.50, United States currency. That's how much I was worth this one morning when I saw a sign out in front of a construction shop. Men wanted the sign Said I believed it. Looked up the form. Bill, what's that
3: compressor? Oh, on, Jim. Keep it moving. Uh, looking for something, bud?
10: Yes. Uh, you, you you have a sign out there. Are, are you hiring men?
3: Could be. What
10: do you do? Oh, just about anything. I... I can keep books, handle your time. I, I used to be an accountant. Oh yeah. But um, if that's not what you're looking for, well, well I can swing a shovel too. I, I just want a job.
3: Yeah, I like that attitude. Got your discharge certificate with you? Discharge? Yeah, honorable discharge. Always like to give a break to ex-service guys. Oh well, I
10: I wasn't in the service.
3: Yeah. Oh. all right
10: No, no, I I sat out the war. I was in jail.
3: Oh, it's tough i <laughs> got a little mixed up in your account, huh? No,
10: it was manslaughter. I killed a man.
3: What about the job? I, I really need it. Uh, look, buddy, I don't want you to think this is my idea, but... But, but
10: you uh, can't use me.
3: No, I can't. You see...
10: Yes, I see. <laughs> Start fresh.
3: I got my orders. See, you know how that is. The boss is bigger. There's a lot of vets looking for jobs. I got to give them the first crack at things. Oh, if I was to... Uh,
10: it's all right. It isn't your fault. Maybe... Maybe some other war. Somehow that was the last straw. I started to hate. I hated everything and everyone. And then I thought of my fortune, my $17.50. And suddenly I knew there was something I wanted to buy.
1: What do you want to use the gun for, mister? I, I don't know. I... Just want to have it. Mm, well, we're supposed to put something down there. I mean, along with your name and everything. Oh, well, put down target practice. That's good enough, isn't it? I guess so. What's the name? Put down Smith. Smith. Oh, it's like that, huh? Look, mister, I don't want to get into any trouble. I run a respectable place of business here. You and... want to
10: sell the gun, don't you? Well, sure,
1: but... You want the $14, don't you? Okay, okay, so it's Smith. And you're going to do some target practice. Give me the 14 bucks and get lost, huh? Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
10: Funny thing. I I still don't know why I wanted that gun. I swear I don't. Kill myself? Rob a bank or a filling station? I haven't any idea. I suppose I just thought that having it would make me feel better. Only it didn't. It hung in my pocket heavy as lead, cold, dead, just like its owner. I turned into a side street, 52nd, 51st. I wasn't sure. I stopped to light a cigarette. And a car pulled up to the curb. It was a big car with a chauffeur, a black car, smooth and shiny. Then I looked at the man getting out, just one look, and wheels started spinning around in my head, like a dizzy, the sidewalk twisted and bounced around like it was having a convulsion. But when he spoke, the shock of hearing his voice straightened it all out, it made it cold and clear as hard crystals. Just a few words to that chauffeur.
3: Wait for me, Davis. I won't be long. He turned and walked past me,
10: right by me into the bank. But he couldn't walk. He couldn't do anything. That was Lee Burke I was staring at. Lee Burke, the man I'd killed seven years ago.
2: For Suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. in Deep Into Darkness, Autolite's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
5: And that's the first portion of Suspense with Deep Into Darkness starring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. We'll have the conclusion after this break.
0: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari.
5: Now let's get back to Suspense.
2: And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. as Ken in Deep Into Darkness. A tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense
10: those few moments of watching a man walk across the sidewalk into a bank, I lived it all over again. The way it happened when I killed him seven years ago back in Chicago. There wasn't anything about it I couldn't remember.
9: Ken, darling. Yeah? Do you love me, Ken?
10: Do I love you? Oh, no, not at all. I just sit in that goofy nightclub night after night because the food's so good.
9: Oh, Ken, you're
10: sweet. Lila, why don't you forget that place? Give it up. Where's he going to get a girl like you, dancing in a cheap honky-tonk? You
9: have or... something better to offer, darling?
10: I've offered it a half a dozen times. Marry me. I got a good job. It'll, it'll get better.
9: Hand me my drink, will you?
10: Sure. Here. What do you say?
9: I've told you, Ken, over and over again. I'm not getting married. Not to you, anyway. You're a sweet guy, sure, and I'm very fond of you, but little Lily isn't burying herself in any house with a bunch of squalling kids. That's for suckers.
10: I don't think you mean that at all. No?
9: Well, you just watch, darling. I'm going to wind up with a diamond so big it'll take a two-ton truck to deliver it to me. I'm going to have so many mink coats, I'll use them for pajamas.
3: Yeah, that's the way to talk, sis. You tell him. Hello, Lee. You're beginning to sound like you're getting good sense. What are you doing up here with this bookkeeper anyway? And a good evening to you, too, Lee. Never mind. I thought I said I didn't want you wasting your time with him. He's all right. Get out of here, Matthews. Now, wait a minute. If Lila wants me to go... Uh, Oh, not satisfied with my suggestions, huh? Well, I have a good mind. Lee,
9: stop it. Put that gun away. Every time you have a few drinks, you start waving that gun around.
3: Really, Lee, you better put her down. Stop acting like a kid. Acting like a kid, huh? I'll show you who's acting like a kid. I'll Give me that gun. Lee! Come on, Lee. Uh, Give it to me. I'll break your arm. Go,
6: let's go, Mike.
10: Lila. Well, it went off. I I was only trying to take it away from him. Oh,
9: you killed him. Ken, you killed my brother.
10: I didn't mean it, I tell you. I you saw what happened. I I was only trying to get the gun. Get out, Ken. The police will find you. Get out of here. Hurry, I tell you, get out. I got out all right in a hurry. It was pouring that night i ran down the street with the rain slapping me in the face i ran up a back alley into the darkness and then i stopped i didn't want to run not for the rest of my life i went to the nearest police station turned myself in they took me back to the burks and we found lila sitting in a chair glassy-eyed just staring down at her brother lee he he was right where i'd left him sprawled on the floor face down and a big red puddle was ruining the rug. Lee Burke was dead. And they gave me ten years for killing him. And only now he wasn't dead. He couldn't be. I'd just seen him walk into a bank. Uh, <clears throat> a nice car you got. Yeah. Uh, must must be an important man to have a car like that, eh?
0: Yeah, he's a big guy.
10: Well, that's lots of money, I suppose, eh? Huh?
2: Yeah, he's crawling with it. Does that make you happy? His uh, his name
10: uh, doesn't happen to be Burke, does it?
2: No, Wilson. Um, Keith Wilson. He also happens to be a stockbroker.
10: Anything else you want to know? Keith Wilson.
2: Yeah, and
3: I'll beat it. The boss is coming. The
10: boss? <laughs> isn't that something?
3: All right, Davis. I'll go straight to the office now. Yes, sir. In a hurry,
10: Lee? Oh, what? Oh,
3: there, there must be some mistake. My name isn't Lee. Oh, pardon me.
10: was Lee. There wasn't any doubt about it. And he knew me, too. I could see it in his eyes and in the way his face went white. I didn't understand it. I I couldn't figure out why or how but Lee Burke was alive. The rest of the fortune went for a taxi ride, but it was worth it to me. And I guess if I hadn't had enough money to follow Lee's car wherever it went, I'd have forced the cab driver with that gun I'd bought. But it wasn't necessary. We went out to Long Island. Way out. And then the car swung into a place with a big half-circle drive. Lee Burke, now Mr. Keith Wilson, was doing very well for himself. And so was Lila. <gasps>
9: What's the matter, Lila? Ken.
10: Is it like seeing a ghost?
9: Ken. Ken, it's really you.
10: I saw a ghost just now, too. Only he was very much alive.
9: So that's what he was so excited about. Lee? Yes, he came in rushed upstairs. told me to call the airport, get him a plane for Miami. Did you? Not yet. It
10: won't do any good.
9: Ken, Ken, what do you want? Why did you come here? I
10: just wanted to be sure, Lila, absolutely sure. What are you going to do? I'd like to kill him. I ought to kill you both.
9: No, Ken, don't talk like that. It it wasn't me. I didn't plan it. But
10: it was a plan, wasn't it, Lila? Wasn't it? Yes. You want to tell me about it, or do I have to choke it out of him? I'll tell you. What's the
9: difference? You didn't kill
10: lee
9: you didn't kill anybody
10: huh it was a frame up then how could i have seen him like that lee was on the floor dead no that wasn't lee he
9: he found the man ken a, a stumble bomber a drunk and the man looked just like him close enough for what lee had figured out it was the crookedest scheme you ever heard took that insurance with every company in town half a million dollars with me as beneficiary was going to kill this drifter and disappear. Let me collect the money. It was as simple as that at first. Keep talking. But I told him it wouldn't work, Ken, that they'd never pay off, not that much. Not till they checked fingerprints, teeth, everything, but he had that figure, too. They wouldn't check a thing if a fall guy pleaded guilty to a murder charge. So that's how it was. You were the fall guy. I let you take me home that night, remember? I remember. Lee had his gun loaded with blanks. It was an act, the whole thing. Then when you ran, he finished the job... He had the drunk in the bedroom, dressed in his clothes. He brought him into the living room, killed him right in front of me. That's who you saw when you got back.
6: Good Lord.
9: That's why, I, why I hate my brother. Why I don't care what happens to him.
10: Thanks, Lila. That's going to make it easier.
9: Lila, Lila, did you call the airline. No, Lee, not yet.
3: But I told you not to waste any time. You don't know what this means. She knows what it means, Lee. We all do. What do you want? Why'd you follow me here? Hey, look, I think you you better get out of here. You'll I'd stay
10: away from that telephone,
3: Lee. I'd stand still if I were you.
10: You better do as he says, Lee. He's got a gun. Okay, listen to me. You can't do this. Not now. You don't want any more trouble.
3: Why, if the police found the out
10: Police? If you told him I was going to kill you, it wouldn't make sense, Lee. Because I've already done that. Remember? Oh,
3: look, not look, I can explain the whole thing. It, it was a mistake. I'm glad
10: you know that now.
3: I've made a lot of money, Ken. I've been very lucky. I'll, I'll, I'll split with you. You look like you could use some money. Yes, I could. Sure, that's good. Only uh, forget the gun, huh? And stop acting like you want to kill me. You wouldn't gain anything that way. Come on, Lila, fix some drinks or something, huh? We'll, we'll talk this over friendly-like. Can you know Lila was always crazy about
10: you. I was always crazy about her. Oh, can I... But let's talk about something else right now, Lee. Let's yeah. talk about America. You sure. know, this is a wonderful country, the way the laws are set up to protect a man. Ever hear of double jeopardy, Lee? Uh, bring Careful, up a rather interesting fact. That you can't try a man twice for the same crime. <laughs> Seven years I spent paying for killing you. Seven years at Joliet and you weren't even dead. That means I've paid for something I haven't done. Yet, I still have the right, Lee, to kill you. Once more. Oh, now, Ken, stop it. You're talking crazy. There, there must be something here. Why? I only want to kill you, Lee. Because you deserve to be killed. We both know that, don't we? Only, I don't think I'll kill you now. Not, not right away. Oh, we'll be reasonable. Is that it, Ken? Be reasonable, I say. I'm going to stay right with you. 24 hours a day. Right up to the time you deal. I know exactly when and how I'm going to kill you. And you won't know. You'll never know, Lee, until it happens. You'll just wait. Just sit and wait and wait. I never left the Burks Mansion. Never let them leave. I was with Lee from the time he got up until he went to bed. I stayed with him every waking hour and I never stopped twisting his life like a piece of putty. Putting fear in his mind until, well, until there didn't seem to be anything else left there at all. Just a trembling, driving fear in everything he did, everything he said.
3: Lila, Lila, can't we do something?
10: Get to somebody. Oh,
3: Lee, what can I do? You, you could have said something to the servants. You had a chance before he sent them away. I
9: didn't. It all happened too fast. Got rid of them as easily as he cut the telephone wires.
3: Oh, well, we gotta do something. Get in touch with somebody. With Madeline, maybe.
9: Oh, yes? What will your blue-blood fiancé think of you now? When you suddenly stop calling two days before your wedding, and then don't show
3: up. The wedding? Oh, Lila, don't you see? If anything should happen to the wedding now, I'd be ruined. Oh, he can't get away with this. He'll let down sometime. He's got to sleep. So do we. Lila's right, Lee. What? Oh, can oh, you, you were there by the door. You
10: heard. About your wedding? Yes, Lee. I got back just in time, didn't I? Can I bore you a Manhattan? Oh, no, no, I don't want anything. Your funeral... No,
3: don't, don't say that.
10: (laughs) You're falling apart much faster than I thought, Lee. It wasn't taking long at all. Lee couldn't sit still for a minute, couldn't take his eyes off me. Of course, little things like this didn't exactly help.
3: Uh, who, who, who is it? Ken. Yes, Lee. It's Ken. Got the gun? I have the gun, Lee. Oh, this this is the time, huh? Mm,
10: no, Lee. No, I don't think so. Here, drink this. What is it? Milk. Warm milk. Ah, uh, it'll put you to sleep. Yeah, for good, you mean? No, 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 no. just until morning. You see, I wouldn't think of killing a man on his wedding day. What? Don't tell me you've forgotten your wedding to the blue-blooded Mr. Haven. Well, you've come a long way, Lee, marrying into the social register. Oh, don't kid. Come on, drink up. You'll need your strength for the wedding. No, no, that's all off. I, I, I haven't even called her. Lila yet. has. I made her call. She made some very pretty excuses for you, and the wedding will go on as scheduled. What, what are you going to do? Nothing, only... Behave yourself tomorrow. Do as you're told. And you might live through the ceremony.
1: Wilt thou, Keith, take this woman to thy wedded wife to live together after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony? Wilt thou love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, keep thee unto her so long as ye both shall live. Say no, Jen. Say no,
10: or I'll kill you right here in front of
1: them all. Say it, Lee. Mr. Wilson, the answer, please. No.
3: No, I can't. I, 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 can't. Lee, I can't. the answer. There was only one thing
10: wrong with that little wedding scene. I had fun, sure, but in the excitement, I'm afraid I relaxed a little. I wasn't sure how much it mattered. That depended on Lila. When I was sure Lee was asleep that night, I met her in the living room. Got right to the point.
9: Something on your mind, Ken?
10: Yes. Mousy. Who's Mousy?
9: Ken, you... You look so tired, so thin.
10: Tell me, Lila. Tell me about Mousy.
9: What do you know about him?
10: Lee's been talking about him in his sleep, talking about Mousy and you, Lila, and me. You'd better oh. tell me all about it.
9: Ken, you're hurting my arm. I... <laughs> I don't know anything about Marcy.
10: Maybe he was there at the wedding. Maybe you saw him. Maybe you gave him the message. Did you, Lila? Ken,
9: stop it. You know, I promised I wouldn't do anything like that. Don't you trust me? Trust you? Should I, Lila? Do you really think I should? But you know how I feel about you. Surely you don't think... Oh, Ken. Ken, darling. Get away from me. Ken! So that's it. It was all just a gag to keep the little girl in line.
10: How did you expect me to feel after all this happened?
9: That's right. I was naive, wasn't I? Sure. Okay. Well, I won't be naive anymore. You can bet on that. Lila. Good night, Ken, darling.
10: When I cooled off, I realized I'd gone too far. She wouldn't be on my side anymore. Unless, unless I could talk to her again and make it, make it all seem like a like a mistake, a joke maybe. Yeah, that that'd be the thing. But when I went to find her, she wasn't around. I I didn't see her again until next morning. Every morning I went out to the gate for the paper, but this time I waited for Lila to get up and come down so I could talk to her before Lee came in, try to try to fix things. And standing there in the hallway, I fixed things all right. Fixed them good. Lila. Yes? I. I want you to know that. Well. That I'm sorry about last night.
9: It's all right. No,
10: it isn't. No. No, I. I, I didn't mean what I said at all. I guess I'd built up so much hate that. Well, I was upset. I, I was blind to how you feel about me, how I really feel about you. Ken, you're asking me to be naive again. Yes, I guess I am. I like you that way. I. I looked for you last night to tell you you weren't around. Where'd you go? I... Oh, Ken, I... It's all right. I don't care where you went. Anyway, now you know how I really feel. Lila.
9: Ken, you... You don't know what you're
10: saying. Yes, I do, Lila. I've been thinking. That's the way it ought to be. We've been a couple of lost souls, but maybe by forgetting the past, trying to find some peace of mind... Ken! Think about it, will you, Lila? I went out then, out the door and down the driveway... Left her standing there, staring after me. But suddenly, as I was almost at the gate, I heard it coming, running, fast.
6: Ken! No, Ken! Come back!
10: And then I saw it, a car that had been parked down the road. It was moving, now gathering speed, coming right past the gate. Ken! Ken, look out! And then she was there. She threw herself right in front of me. Ken! I heard the shots. I felt her thrown heavily against me, and then... And then her body went limp in my arms. I held her close for a second, and... And then I lowered her to the ground. I walked back up the drive, alone. Lee was out in front of the house, sitting on a bench in front of a big tree. He'd heard the shots, I'm sure, but he was just sitting there, probably waiting for Lila to come back and say that... that Mousy had taken care of me. He turned and looked up as I walked toward him.
6: (gasps) Lila! Oh,
10: oh, no. His eyes seemed to look right through me somehow. He was that full of fear, I guess. His fingers gripped the tree in back of him, dug deep into the bark. He was waiting for me to kill him. (laughs)
6: Lila's
10: deadly, you're... Your gunman got her instead of me.
3: Uh, Lila? Lila?
10: I'm sorry because... because there was something I didn't have time to tell her. I never intended to kill you, Lee. I was just... just showing you how seven years looked crowded into a few days.
3: Seven years?
10: (sighs) Ah, that's right. I guess you know now. I guess you know why... why and what you did. Lee... Lee, this is Ken. I'm talking to you. Ken?
3: Ken? <laughs> I, I don't know any
10: Ken. And he didn't. He didn't even know himself. The way his eyes looked, I don't think he ever will again. They weren't Lee Burke's eyes anymore. They belonged to someone else. Funny. The man who tried to be somebody else had finally made it. And it was not good to look upon.
2: Thank you, Douglas Fairbanks, for an outstanding performance on Suspense. And now here again is Mr. Douglas
10: Fairbanks. I've enjoyed this appearance on Suspense very much. And I've noted with great interest as a suspense fan that Agnes Moorhead will return to the soundstage next week, the scene of her splendid performances of the past. As one of the many who applauded her portrayal in the suspense classic Sorry, Wrong Number, I'll be listening with anticipation next week for Agnes Moorhead in The Yellow Wallpaper, a powerful study in...
8: Suspense. Douglas Fairbanks may soon be seen in his own production, The O'Flynn. Tonight's suspense play was written by Edward James, with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Buskin The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leder. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Miss Agnes Moorhead in The Yellow Wallpaper.
9: This is the Auto Light Suspense Show signing off. Good night. Switch to Autolite.
8: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
5: And that's suspense from July 22, 1948, with Deep Into Darkness, starring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Also in the cast, Joseph Kearns and William Johnstone, with Harlow Wilcox doing the announcing for Autolite, is heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
5: Next week, it's Casey Crime, Photographer, The Burns and Allen Show, The CBS Radio Workshop, Lights Out, The Life of Riley and the Whistler. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, Executive Producer Mike Costella, Engineer Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.
0: To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.